on this episode of My Sister Said Podcast. Something about the response that I got from this guy, Benson, was so bizarre. This dude was new to his job. This dude didn't know me. Something about seeing three years, literally three years of abuse and abuse tactics jam-packed, jam-packed into one email. I was like, something is really wrong with the people my church chooses to be in leadership beyond racism. Okay, this is the disclaimer. This video is not meant to diagnose anyone or imply that anyone has narcissistic personality disorder. This video is to help people identify the hella toxic behaviors that contribute to spiritual abuse and religious trauma. Okay. So I googled how to deal with difficult people and I got all of this. So we're going to try out some new things today. Hello, it's Uche. Welcome back to my channel. And my sister said a podcast. Okay, so um, I am going to read you my final correspondence with the leadership of my church um, before I was kicked out of membership. Okay. This with this guy, his name is um, Vincent Hines. He was the serving director or something, director of serving, I think, for Watermark. I never met this dude before in my whole life, but I was like, after reading this stupid email that he sent, I was like, like, you are the worst. That's all I thought. I was like, man, I do not like you. And I couldn't put my finger on why for a while. I could not put my finger on why I didn't like this dude. But maybe you can figure out why I didn't like this dude. Um, the reason why I call, um, you know, my church and um, other, tox- uh, other toxic churches um, predatory churches is because a predatory church is basically a church with narcissistic personality disorder. The leadership of a predatory church is unwilling to accept accountability for specific harms. They lack empathy. Hypocrisy is hella rampant. They are unable to accept criticism. And for a predatory church leadership, the ends always justify the means. So I'm actually going to post the first email that he sent me. And I'm going to post my response. And then I'm going to read to you the final response that he gave me. Okay, so um, let's see, 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 let's see. Okay, here it is. Okay, I couldn't find it. Oh, God. Okay, so he fired the first shot on Friday, June 5th, 2020. Benson says, hi, Uche. Thank you for filling out the serving form in the middle of May. I was looking through those and saw your great comments about your interests. So I thought I would follow up. First of all, I wanted to check in with you and see how you're personally doing in light of the recent events. I believe you filled out that form before the death of George Floyd and the events that have taken place since then. I'm hopeful that you have a community group or others who you're able to connect with on this stuff, both to be ministered to and to share your ministry with them. I checked with Sharon James, and she said you have tied into their racial reconciliation study in the past. I'm glad about that. But know that I prayed for you specifically this week, and I, and I hope you found opportunities for encouragement and or ministry during this time. If Watermark can serve you, please let me know. 
In the meantime, I loved your comment about helping the leaders talk about race better and without being nervous. One great step you can take is to continue connecting with Sharon and the others involved in those studies. But I would also, but I would also be glad to read any take, any take you have on the topic. Or if you've got a podcast or something that sums up your thoughts, that might be really useful to our external focus team at the very least. The same would be true if you have some resources that you didn't produce, but you think would be really useful for our leaders to read slash watch. At this point, a great blog or a great article could go a long way, as we're all trying to get wisdom and serving people well. I can't promise anything, of course, but I would love to pass on your best resources for the topic. Or if you have other ideas or more you think I should know, go for it. As the COVID concerns pass, I do hope that we'll have more opportunities than ever to, be, to, to engage in both great discussions about race as well as hands-on service with people of color in the communities throughout Dallas. Vincent Hines, Watermark Director of Serving. Oh, okay. So by the way, so Vincent did not send this email to check on me. This is, this is something called data mining, okay? Um, and this is some, this kind of a manipulation tactic to kind of get their foot in the door. Um, the questions start off kind of casual and then just shift to things that, you know, are personal. He's just trying to get some information from me about my state of mind. Um, and you'll know that he doesn't give a shit because of how he responds in that email later. Um, um, this, another attempt of this stuff was done back in October of 2020. Um, I had already been, you know, kicked out of my church and I had already been like kicked out for like a couple months and they had removed me from their mailing list. I had not gotten any emails. And then I get these emails from, um, from Benson from, oh, are you serving? You're ready to serve? And I'm like, uh, per your last email, I'm not interested in talking to you. Of course I didn't answer. I don't want to be data mined by Benson Hines. Yeah. So just really interesting. It's a tactic that's used. Um, okay, so the next thing. So I um, responded Friday, June 5th, 2020. Hi, Vincent. Yes, I write something like that on all the Watermark forms I fill out because the best way Watermark leadership specifically can serve me and their members is talking about the evils of racial prejudice that informs the acts of racism. At this moment, there is a Candace Owens video circulating, and I see so many of my friends, of my non-Black Watermark friends, finding validation from sharing this video. A video where she basically says police brutality is a myth, and Black people are statistically more criminal than white people. It's sad because there seems to be an unfounded belief among these friends of mine that, I'm except that I am an exception to the rule of Black people being more criminal and violent, which is why police treat us the way they do. What's even more telling is that 99% don't have more than one black person in their friend group and still happily believe this lie. This is racial prejudice and the type of mindset that will hinder spreading the gospel in Dallas and other places. But here's the kicker. Everyone has prejudice, racial or otherwise. That being said, I've attached a short sermon on prejudice I wrote and sent to leadership two years ago in the hopes that Watermark would, would address this issue. Honestly, I've been emailing leadership for years with zero progress. So if anyone knows that there's a huge chance and nothing will happen, it's me. Context around sending the sermon. Racism and racial prejudice are just never talked about in the church in any real or current way. 
Pastors find a way to bring up pornography, premarital sex, abortion, and discernments. I thought maybe pastors don't know how to talk about racism or prejudice organically without fanfare. This was an easy way to integrate it into the integrate it into the series, and I wrote it in one night. The sermon was for the Asking for a Friend series at the porch, where they took questions on things affecting young adults, like how to deal with anxiety, is purity a big deal, etc. The question I wrote at the beginning is an actual question I've heard from some of my friends, but Avi, it was ignored and never addressed. Gosh, writing this just makes me hate Watermark even more, but I'm working on that. It's hard though. Luce. And then I attached the asking for a friend sermon to the email. As I read this, this email from Benson Hines, keep in mind, my only, my only request was to teach about repenting from racial prejudice. Okay. And this is the response I got. Okay. Hi, yeah, yeah. Benson responded with a two-page, 1,293-word, 7,157-character email. This response is pathological. I have no idea if he wrote this himself or if someone helped him. Abadayam. This is the first manipulation technique, and it's called word salad. Now, word salad. So this is Dr. Romani Dravasula, and she is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in narcissistic personality disorder and narcissistic abuse. She's a friggin' awesome doctor who helps people overcome toxic relationships. This woman's videos have been like essential for me healing from my spiritual um, abuse and religious trauma. Her content is fire, and I'm pretty sure I'm in love with her. And narcissism definitely has certain characteristics. It can be very circuitous. A person just talking around in circles and never really getting to a point. It can be tangential. For example, the narcissistic person bringing up topics and themes that have nothing to do with the issue that's being discussed. It's confusing when it's tangential because it's not a response to the issue at hand. It's, it is also, word salad can be very deflecting because again, it doesn't address the issue at hand. And deflection, in fact, is a sort of a form of gaslighting. Now, in a way, word salad, as I suggested, is really a form of gaslighting. Now, while it, the word salad doesn't deny your reality per se, though it may depend on what kinds of words the salad is made of, it is designed to confuse. Let's say you say this. Hey, hon, uh, before you head out to the gym, we just need to take a quick minute to talk about the household budget. There's actually a tax bill that's coming due, and I need to make sure that we have the money and the account set up right so I have the funds for it. Now, let's just say they respond 
your narcissistic partner responds like this. Seriously? Seriously, you're going to bring this up now? Bring it up on my way? While I'm on my way to something I want to do? Because I work so hard. God, you never think about my feelings. You never think about what I need. You talk about love. And you talk about hate. And you talk about what you need. And I, I need things too. What about that family of yours? What did they ever give you? Huh, what did they ever give us? Hmm, I need a car. I need a house. I need things. What about you? What do you do for us? I do so much. And a nicer house would be better for us. Your family knows that. And I work hard. You don't see that. And I needed that. I needed to be seen. Do you see what I need? But you, you just keep reaching for the stars. Why can't you just stay here on the earth? Why, why, why would you need so much more than I give? I can't give you the stars. I give a lot. I work hard. Don't you see that? In school, I was the very best student. And then I was the very best worker. And I just saw someone who said he owes his career to me. I was just 22 and this guy, this guy, he was 45. This guy, he says I was his mentor. I was 22. He was 45. I do so much. I give so much. Okay. So, imagine that that was the response to your asking about the tax bill. So, in that herky-jerky chaos of words and confusion and twists and turns, frankly, the fact is, who the hell knows what that whole loopy rant was about. But if that happened to you, at that point, you are so confused. The sentences by themselves make sense. Like each of those sentences that I gave you in that example, they're grammatically correct, but all together, they don't represent a meaningful response to the question or issue at hand. And they leave the situation even more confused than it was before you spoke. Now, one may wonder, why does this even happen? My hypothesis for why narcissists engage in word salad is that it's due to a combination of rage, dysregulation, their tendency to not deal well with reality when they don't want to deal with it, and an inability to manage their inability to manage frustration. All of that together may result in these bizarre verbal hiccups. And over time, when they are cornered, they have learned, I guess, that just yammering on in a twisty, turny way may actually get people off of their backs. Word salad, like any salad, is a mishmash of ingredients. Gaslighting, false narratives, and so on and so forth. And your reactions may also be a mishmash of confusion, fear, anxiety, and frustration. Narcissistic relationships are seductive because there's always something to do in a narcissistic relationship. Always something to explain. Always something to defend against. 
Or there's always that Rubik's Cube of always trying to figure out what you need to do to win them over. And in some ways, word salad is simply the encapsulation of a narcissistic temper tantrum and their gaslighting version of sort of speaking in narcissistic tongues. All I can say about word salad is, if you encounter it, good luck to you. And while I'm really proud of myself for even in the state that I was in, I did not respond because I was like, this is not, it's a waste of my time. I've sent so many emails and so many messages and sermons and blah, blue ski and all this. Sh- and I'm just like, and I've never, it has never amounted to anything. And so I was like, I don't, I'm okay. And I didn't send it. And I was like, I'm, you know, washing my hands of this. They've already shown me that they don't give a Now it's my turn to be obedient and follow on in 1 Timothy 5.20, these children of God. 